Porn Free Radio, episode 211, Automatic Thoughts. All right, let's play a quick word association game. If I said going to the movies, what's the first word that jumps into your mind? Now, if you're like me or anyone I ask this question to, the word popcorn is what comes to mind. It's such a strong association with the experience of going to the movies. Think about it. When you walk into the building, you smell the popcorn, you hear them making it, you see it, of course, because you have to pass the candy counter in order to get to your theater. Those are what we call triggers. Now, triggers sometimes are negative when you talk about them in recovery, but they're just prompts. You know, there's this, there's this experience, these things that remind us of popcorn when we walk into the movie theater. And that, those triggers usually lead to some sort of automatic thoughts. Thoughts like, well, it wouldn't be a movie without popcorn. Or, I'm hungry. All of a sudden, I feel hungry as I walked in. If we skip the candy counter because we were on a diet or because we were trying to save money, we might walk to our seats and feel a sense of feeling deprived, like we didn't get something. We might even have a kind of a thought of self-pity. We might be agitated for a couple minutes as we sat there waiting for the movie to start, especially if we saw other people eating popcorn. So the pattern is this. We experience a trigger, that sort of prompt, you know, the, the sight, the smell, the, the memory of the thing. And then we have a thought, usually automatic. I'm hungry. It wouldn't be a movie without popcorn. And then it leads to a behavior. So trigger, thought, behavior. Now, that's the basis for cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, we're, we're not going to go into a big uh, discussion about counseling today, um, but I thought I would share this idea because I think there's some things that we can unpack for recovery, especially related to automatic thoughts. Now, on Porn Free Radio, we talk a lot about triggers. We talk about reducing triggers, avoiding triggers, what to do if you're triggered. But we haven't talked so much about these automatic thoughts, how to identify them. Um, how to sort of see what they are, and then how to change them, especially if they lead to negative behavior. So we'll do that on today's episode. But first, a message about Rev Group Coaching. Hey, this is Matt. I'm recording this episode in September of 2019. And looking ahead to this fall, we have some open spots for Rev Group Coaching So if you're looking to join a group of like-minded men on this recovery journey, go to recoveredman.com slash rev. That's recoveredman.com slash rev. In rev, you're going to define your motivation for going porn-free, build a customized recovery plan. You're going to get the feedback and accountability you've been lacking, and you're going to grow with others and experience teamwork in recovery. So to apply to one of our open spots, go to recoveredman.com slash rev. Porn Free Radio. Gentlemen, you're listening to me right now. You and I are together. I'm there. 
I'm in your headphones, I'm in your stereo, your Bluetooth, whatever. We're there together. You know, I'm on the treadmill with you or wherever you are at right now. That's the best part about a podcast. There's a community aspect to it. I'm going to break that down. I'm not going to rap for you today. Don't worry. But I'm amped up. Look, here's another way to look at it. Man, I love the hook on that song. That's good. What up? This is for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. And just even if you and I are in this conversation right now, I'm talking, you're listening to me. We're together. for you. I want you to be known. I want you to be loved. And hey, your life doesn't have to be defined by your porn addiction. Gentlemen, We're not alone in this. Well, welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. This is where you come to get hope and take action. I'm your host, Matt Dobschutz, and I have about a quarter of my Dunkin' Donuts coffee from this morning, and I'm excited to jump into this episode. Now, I hope I didn't scare you talking about cognitive behavioral therapy. This is not going to be a psychology lesson. Um, there's a good reason for me bringing this up. I actually have gone to a cognitive behavioral therapy group recently, uh, to deal with some, some thoughts and feelings I'm having around eating and some of the lifestyle changes I'm making with food. And so that's where we've been talking a lot about, you know, sort of these automatic thoughts and how to change your thoughts. And, uh, so that's where some of this material comes from today. Now, Aaron Beck is sort of the credited with coming up with this sort of cognitive therapy model. And he was actually one of these traditional Freudian psychoanalysts. I don't know what the, what to call him. Um, so you've probably seen this on some old TV shows, you know, where there's a guy and he's just laying on the couch and he's just talking about his life and the therapist is just agreeing and taking notes you know, that's kind of the traditional analysis uh, style therapy. And um, so this is what Dr. Beck was doing. And one day he has this patient named Lucy. And she's recounting um, a whole bunch of her sexual history. She's going on and on about these different things that she's done and things that have happened to her. And at the end of it, um, he says, you know, do you feel better now that you've told me this? You know, kind of like, has this sort of helped relieve your psychic burden by, by sharing your thoughts? And she actually said, no, I feel worse. And so he was probing a little bit. He goes, tell me why you're feeling worse. What, um, why, why, do you, why do you think you feel worse about this? And she said, well, I kind of feel like I'm boring you. 
And this kind of surprised him because he was like, where does this come from? Like, we're talking about her sexual history. She's not, she wasn't particularly embarrassed by it or there wasn't some sort of shame related to it. She just feels like she was boring him. And he goes, tell me more about that. What made you think you were boring me? And she goes, you know, I always feel like that. And she actually said in life, she feels like most of the time in all of her relationships, she's boring the people that she's around. And as he probed a little deeper, uh, and as he worked with her some more, he realized that she had sort of this underlying belief that she wasn't very likable, that she was unlovable. And so a lot of the ways that she thought about interacting with people there were these automatic thoughts that she was boring people or taking up too much of their time, including her therapy. And this got him to thinking, how do these sort of automatic thoughts that are kind of going through our head that we won't, we don't even think to mention to people, how does this influence us? How does it influence how we feel? How does it influence what behavior we take? And he actually started, you know, testing it himself. He started, uh, he said the next day he got in the car and he noticed there was all this self-talk that he had about how he was driving. Um, he, he said this one phrase, he's like, he pulled up to a busy intersection and he felt like he heard this thing in his head that said, come on, jerk, are you going to go into traffic or not? Like, what's, you know, what's the hold up here? Like there was this kind of critical driver within inside of him talking to him. And so this idea of negative self-talk or this idea of automatic thoughts that are just sort of constantly bombarding us is something that became his life's work. That's what he started looking at. And, you know, his own description of cognitive therapy is essentially that, um, he once was in a cab and a, and a cab driver asked him what cognitive behavioral therapy was. And he said, Basically, it has to do with the way people talk to themselves. And the cab driver said, oh, I thought that's why people go to a psychiatrist. And uh, Dr. Beck said, well, yes, but we teach them how to answer themselves. So the basic idea for cognitive therapy is it helps you start to identify these thoughts that you're having and then helps you to interact with them, helps you to to change them or to potentially answer them, uh, especially if they're negative and they lead to negative behavior. And one of the things that Dr. Beck says about sort of these automatic thoughts is that when we're struggling in an area, and he was talking about uh, specifically working with patients who had depression, um, he said that a lot of times we have automatic thoughts and we don't have a lot of reflection about them. We don't even notice them. And we just accept them as valid or true. We just get into this mindset where we don't really reflect about what we're thinking, but we just accept it as true. And that's the thing that I think gets us into a lot of trouble with porn and porn behaviors, especially as we're trying to eliminate them from our lives, is that we have a lot of automatic thoughts about them. So one of the things that we did in, in my cognitive behavioral therapy group is we went through a list of thinking mistakes 
um, or a list of unhelpful thoughts and you know how to reframe these thoughts, how to sort of identify them and then reframe them. So I thought I would share them. I modified the list uh, for you know our discussion of going porn free. And I think I'll go through them now. Now, believe it or not, these were adapted from Judith Beck, who was Dr. Beck's daughter, who is Dr. Beck's daughter. By the way, they're both still alive. Dr. Beck, uh, um, Dr. Aaron Beck, is he's like 98 now or 99. I mean, he's getting up there. Uh, and his daughter has sort of, um, you know, started a foundation and wrote sort of one of the definitive books about cognitive behavioral therapy. And then she's worked a lot with weight loss specifically and, you know, food addiction. These are sort of modified from Judith Beck's work. All right, let's break down some of these automatic thoughts. And I have some categories for each of them. So the first category is intolerance. So here's the unhelpful thought uh, that we have. I can't stand being horny. Or it doesn't have to be horny. It could be another powerful feeling. Like, I can't stand being anxious. I can't stand being alone. I can't stand being bored. So think about it in the case of the popcorn. The trigger is something that happens that creates excitement or anxiety or a sense of isolation or boredom. And then this unhelpful thought kind of automatically comes through our head. I can't stand this feeling. And it leads a lot of times to a behavior that either tries to avoid that feeling or escape that feeling. So a lot of times it's some sort of porn behavior, edging, masturbation, whatever it is, that's the behavior. So let's, uh, let's try to find a more helpful way to deal with this. A helpful thought. How about this? Being horny is a little uncomfortable, but I can work through it. It will eventually go away if I focus on something else. Being anxious is a little uncomfortable, but I can work through it. It will eventually go away if I focus on something else. So that's an example of trying to think of what's the more helpful thought here. So you first have to capture what's the unhelpful thought. I can't stand being anxious. I can't stand being alone. And then reframe it. Well, this is uncomfortable. That's true. It's a little uncomfortable. But this kind of craving eventually goes away if I focus on something else or if I focus on something that's more helpful. All right? So that's the idea. We're going to kind of take an unhelpful thought and we're going to try to come up with something that's a little more helpful that we can remind ourselves of in the moment. How about self-deception? This is one that we've talked about in Porn Free Radio. Unhelpful thought, a little bit won't hurt me. A little, a little taste, a little uh, dabble, a little, uh, uh, a little snack. I heard, I heard a client once call it a snack. A little bit doesn't hurt me. A little bit of porn doesn't hurt me. That's the unhelpful thought. What's the more helpful thought? Porn is toxic to me. Even a little bit will make me sick. Just reminding ourselves of something like that. Like, hey, last time I did a little look, it led to a big relapse. It led to a lot of consequences and problems. Porn is toxic to me. Even a little bit will make me sick. 
How about in the area of entitlement? I had a rough day. I deserve this. That's the unhelpful thought. I deserve it. How about this for helpful? If I look at porn right now, I will have two problems. First, looking at porn won't do anything about what happened today. And on top of that, I'll be upset with myself for acting out. My cognitive behavioral therapist says when we choose to act out um, out, of a, out of an emotion, we end up with two problems. We walk into the room with one problem and we walk out with two. If I look at porn right now, I'll have two problems. First, looking at porn won't do anything about what happened today. And on top of that, I'll be upset with myself for acting out. All right, let's keep going. How about, how about uh, demoralization uh, after a relapse? The unhelpful thought is I slipped and I'll never be able to do this. Kind of black and white thinking. Uh, what's the more helpful thought? I'm building skills in the area of weakness. Um, I'll have to get back on track and learn from this slip. This is valuable data to make my plan stronger. You know, I love that idea of training. I love the idea that this is about building skills. No one comes out of the gate 100% perfect in this area, especially if it's an area of weakness. So this whole idea that if you slip or relapse, that you go to this black and white thinking like I'll never be able to do this is complete false falseness. It's it's it feels true, and a lot of times we have experiences of failure, and um, and so we sort of it 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 really feels true to us. Um, but when we really start approaching recovery, like training, building skills, and when we're committed to making our plan stronger, uh, a slip or a relapse can actually inform us what to do to make our plan stronger. How about this one, uh, a focus on unfairness. It's not fair that other people don't have to quit porn. I don't know how many times I've heard that from someone. They're just frustrated with the fact that they just can't look at porn. Um, that they see their friends or other people who aren't as religious as them just looking at porn without any sort of thought to it. Sometimes it's a certain uh, privilege or, um, you know, it's a certain um, type of thing that someone has access to. So here's an example. Um, um, it's not fair that I don't get to watch HBO. Or it's not fair that other people don't have filters like me. It's not fair that I have to have a dumb phone, right? It's that focus on unfairness. So what's the more helpful thought? It's really simple. Everyone has issues. Porn is mine. Basically just saying, you know what? Yeah, other people have smartphones. Other people have these, these uh, sort of uh, conveniences in their life that you have not been able to handle because there's a weakness in this area. So everyone has issues, porn is mine. This is my issue. Maybe I can go to a bar and not get drunk. Maybe I can have a lot of discipline in my work or in my athletic pursuits. 
Maybe I've been good in business. Maybe I have other ways that I've been successful. But in this area, this is where I need uh, to, to focus on, you know, building skills. That this is my issue. It doesn't matter what other people can do or can't do. All right, let's keep going. Uh, how about disqualifying the positives? I see this every once in a while. Guys will say something like, um, you know, one month porn free is good, but I really want to get to a year or more. So it's this idea that somehow their identity or worth is really going to be proven if they can get to a big milestone. But what happens is they disqualify small progress. They disqualify the one week porn free or the one month. And I see this every once in a while. Um, you know, I've, I, I think I mentioned this recently. You know, I recommend guys have rewards for milestones in their plan. And some guys will not want to choose a reward because they feel like somehow um, they're not worthy of celebrating anything. And what it is, is it's a way of disqualifying the positive. It's a way of sort of staying stuck uh, and, and saying, you know, this, this, this is good, but it really doesn't matter that much. It's not that great. Um, so I think a more helpful thought is something like to go porn free. I have to go porn free for a month. And a month is a huge step for me, right? If I got to a month, that's a huge step. And for you, it might be a week, you know, a week porn free um, after a prolonged relapse is, is a good, you know, is something to celebrate, something to get back, you know, as you get back on track, that's a huge step. How about this one? The area of should statements. Um, I shouldn't have slip-ups, just an intolerance for mistakes, you know, or an intolerance for a slip. Uh, here's the more helpful statement. Mistakes happen and I can learn from them. They reveal holes in my plan and opportunities for growth. You know, if you had a mistake, you know, ask yourself, hey, if that challenge was coming up this week, what would I do differently? Don't just think about the event either. A lot of times we think about a relapse event, you know, that night, Friday night in front of the computer, horny and kind of bored. Think about the whole week. What led up to that? What were those powerful feelings that maybe were coming up? What were those automatic thoughts that maybe you weren't aware of that led to Friday night? Start thinking about those things ahead of time. And those are the things that can influence how to make your plan stronger. You know, I've often said that sometimes a, a relapse on Friday night can be, can be um, avoided by having a phone call on Wednesday morning. You know, a lot of the times, the reason why we act out on Friday night is we just, we get isolated. Uh, we get cumulative fatigue building up over the week and we get less and less connected the longer the week goes. And so sometimes just having a phone call in the middle of the week or, you know, the middle, the, you know, on Thursday or Friday morning can help relieve sort of that sense of isolation. All right, a couple more here catastrophizing. I'm never going to get on track. Or I'm never going to be able to do this. Um, that seems to be a, a big one. And here's a real simple one that really helped me stay on track when I first went porn free. 
I can get myself on track. Others like me have done this. There was one friend in my life, John, who is still sober after like 20 years. And whenever I thought I couldn't do this, I would say, hey, John did this. I would remind myself that John did it. Maybe you do it with me. Hey, Matt's porn free eight years. He's not BSing us. He really struggled with porn. That little truth that, hey, I can get myself on track. Others like me have done this. That That's a really helpful thing. All right, here's the last one around time. Recovery work takes up too much time. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard this from a guy. He's thinking about reading literature or having to go to meetings, having to schedule things, and he, and he makes this big deal about time, recovery work. He's associating recovering work with all this burden and extra time. What's the more helpful truth? Porn hijacks my time and takes everything it can get. The, the cost of doing recovery work, the cost of time in recovery work is minimal compared to the cost of time wasted in porn. So that's, that's a way to reframe that, to really think about, hey, what is the cost of this recovery time? Yeah, it takes effort, takes intention. You have to plan it out. But porn, if, if you don't deal with porn, it just takes over everything. So you get the idea there, right? There's all these automatic thoughts that are coming to us. So one one thing to consider doing is um, if you have a relapse, ask what were some of the thoughts that were going through your head? What are some of the thoughts that you haven't even shared with your accountability partner? Um, they don't even seem like worth sharing. Um, those are the things to start trying to unpack. Are there any automatic thoughts that are leading to behavior? So a lot of guys are really good at identifying triggers. Oh, I saw this woman today jogging. Or, oh, you know, I was on the computer and there was some uh, clickbait in the corner, right? We're real good at spotting triggers, but we're not particularly good at spotting these automatic beliefs. You know, what makes us click on the clickbait? You know, the, the fear of missing out. What am I missing out? What if I don't click this? What am I not going to get? Or is it, um, hey, this will be a nice little distraction for me for this project I need to do. What are the automatic thoughts that we have related to that trigger? And then are those true? You know, one thing Dr. Beck said is that a lot of people who are struggling with depression, or let's say in this case, we're struggling with letting go of this very um, compulsive habit that we have, we're going to be more prone to feel that these statements that we say are true. It's because we have this weakness in this area. That's one of the reasons that we keep going back. We keep having unhelpful thoughts and they lead immediately to our, and we're not aware of them. Uh, we're not changing them. And so the behaviors are the same results. We keep getting the same results. Um, so, um, part of the skill here is catching these unhelpful thoughts. And so sometimes at the beginning, we cap we capture them after the relapse or slip. That's why it's important that we don't um, shame ourselves or get too um, mired in black and white thinking when we've relapsed because we need to really dig down and see what was the unhelpful thought. Um, 
And as we get better at this, we start identifying these ahead of time. We can even start to anticipate the unhelpful thoughts. Like the movie theater. Just being aware that popcorn's a trigger and questioning potentially the unhelpful thoughts like, well, a movie has to have popcorn or, you know, whenever you're hungry at a movie theater, you have to go to the snack bar, right? Just questioning those things. You guys might make a different decision when you walk into the movie theater. You might go, you know what? I just had dinner. I'm fine. I'm going to just sit in the seat. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm at a movie. I tell that to my kids all the time. Hey, it's a privilege to be in a movie. So you didn't get to have M&Ms today. Enjoy the, the great movie that we're about to see, you know, for the next two hours. Well, I hope that's helpful. And I was excited to share that with you today. And uh, let's do it again next week. And uh, j- just so you know, I'm committed to doing new episodes on Wednesdays going forward. I know I've said that before, but uh, I'm committed right now to doing it uh, in 2019. And so uh, look for a new episode of Porn Free Radio in your feed next Wednesday. All right, guys, until next week, take hope and take action. Be good.